Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Gate City Vineyard. We're so glad that you're here online and with us live. Uh, as you can tell, as you can tell, I'm not, I'm not Pastor Beth. My hair is much more beautiful and flowing, I think, but we won't let her know that. But Pastor Beth, Paul, if you're watching us online right now, howdy. And I do love the matching jammies. That's a good look for you guys. <laughs> so this is not a test. This is definitely not a test. We are operating under the full buyer's system today. In case you don't know, our church is just so uh, connected with technology. And we got all these systems in place for, for issues that come up. And so in case you're wondering what the buyer's system is, it's boss is out response system so the boss is out and uh, one of the great things I love when people you know are under the weather is that discernment goes way down here you know discernment and wisdom goes way down here and 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 drugs take over a little bit right and so it's a perfect opportunity for me when the boss goes hey guys I'm not feeling well I need a little help and I can just jump up and down and go ooh, ooh pick me pick me and they think it's a great idea. <laughs> bless her heart. Oh, we bless you, Beth. But, you know, it's so great to really be a part of a family that can come together and rally around. And it's really, really exciting for me. So, so at the end of the day, if there's any, any concerns or, uh, you know, that uh, you might have, please email Lisa. Wave, Lisa. <laughs> And get your pencils out because it's office at gatecityvineyard.com, okay? So if you got any issue with today, I'm sorry, Lisa. Have fun on Monday. <laughs> yeah. You know, bless her heart, Beth is so organized and we love her so much. She actually, in the middle of not feeling well, sent us this little, this little uh, outline of how the service should progress. And... Bless her heart. <laughs> she made a couple mistakes. You know, and I'm thinking that she's not feeling well, so I'm going to extend her little grace, but she said, George, with parentheses, two to three minutes. <laughs> now, all of you who know me long enough know that if you give George a microphone and the stage... You don't put parentheses time limit behind that. That's just, it's not going to happen. So, you know, bless your heart, Beth. But no, see, seriously, what, what an honor. You know, next week we're going to have the DGGM kind of thing. Don't give George the mic. That'll be our next protocols that we'll work on. So, oh, well, bless her heart. But what a great privilege it is. We're coming out of the, of the BLESS um, series. And, and what a great blessing it is to be a part of a church community that loves to give out. You know, it, it really, I mean, the leadership here is overwhelmed. Every time we think about what all we are able to do with the amount of people that walk through our doors. If you serve, volunteer, run a ministry, teach a home group, teach kids, 
you know, whatever it is, if you're a part of a ministry or a service or a team or a group here at Gate City Vineyard, lift your hands up. Yeah, I mean, this is a good group. And you know what's, what's great is many of you that, that have raised your hands, you do multiple things. And so it's really awesome when we think about this group of people and the impact that, that we have. Um, and another thing, too, is that the way you give. Because if you didn't raise your hand as to physically being a part of any one of those areas, you're giving to those things. And your heart of giving and your faithfulness in giving allows us to continue to shine our light, to be the beacon on a hill for this city, and to reach the people. So today, we put together the best possible service we could have without our boss here. Because she's just so amazing. So it's not going to be as amazing as having her here. But today what we were going to do is, is, is kind of piggyback off of the Bless series and just talk about some of the ministries that we have going on and, and the heart of why we do some of the things we do. The heart behind it. And, and just to give you a little perspective on how much we really do and how serious we are about it. It's really great, and I love being a part of this community. So I'd like to ask my fellow elder, Chris Larson, to come up and, okay, he's scratchy. So Chris is a big part of, of a lot of the stuff that we do here. He's a great brother. I love him dearly. I wish I was as tall as him. But we apparently share the same barber, so I'm good with that. So Chris. Take it away, brother. It's not as fun when you're on an airplane, though. Uh, hey, good morning. My name's Chris. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to set the stage for a minute and share a little bit about my faith journey. Um, uh, so uh, I, some of you might not know, I, I actually moved to, to Cincinnati um, after graduate school. And, and I had never experienced a vineyard church um, before I moved to Cincinnati. And I started attending uh, Vineyard Cincinnati. And there was a lot that appealed to me about the church there. Um, they, had, they had great worship, they had lots of small groups, they had really clear Bible-based teaching. But, but what definitely stuck out to me about the church was, was the so many ways that they had built being outward focused into the, just the, into the DNA of the church. Um, some of you might have heard the term servant evangelism, um, which is just a description of reaching out um, and serving other people and showing them the love of Jesus with no strings attached. So that, that term came out of the Vineyard Cincinnati Church. And one of the examples, um, one of the many examples, once a, once a month on Saturday, the whole church um, would, would gather and we would spread throughout Cincinnati um, uh, to, to serve uh, neighborhoods, um, individuals, businesses. So it looked anything like um, um, going to a laundromat and uh, paying for people's laundry um, or throwing neighborhood block parties um, uh, or, or showing up at a business and saying, hey, we, we want to bless you, we want to clean your bathrooms. Um, um, and uh, I had never before seen a church where such a fundamental part of their identity was to love and to serve those outside of, the, of these four walls, outside uh, of the church. And, uh, and through that emphasis, 
I'll tell you, like, suddenly my faith journey um, felt so much more alive. As I, as I realized what I didn't know that I had been kind of missing along the way, that, that things like worship and, and Bible study and fellowship with other believers, all of those are absolutely valuable and essential, but, but the life of the church, it, it shouldn't stop there. It shouldn't stop within these walls. It's also just as essential to be giving away the love of Jesus outside the walls, inside our community, um, in tangible ways to those outside of the church. And see, so understanding that God had given us this amazing privilege of partnering with him to scatter God's love wherever we go, that got me excited about following Jesus in a way that, in a way that I had really never before experienced. Um, but, but I believe when you look at the life and the teaching of Jesus, this is one of those things that it's not hard to find. Like, it's very, it's very straightforward when, when, you look at, when you look at the scriptures. Of course, it can be a lot harder to actually live out, right, on a daily basis, but it's very clear in scripture. So in, in, in Matthew 20, you know, Jesus tells his disciples, I have not come to be served, but to serve. And then we see in 2 Corinthians 3 that, um, that when we follow Jesus, that God is transforming us into the image of Jesus. So then when we put those two things together, right, Jesus came not to, ser not to be served, but to serve. And then God is transforming us to be more like Jesus. Well, that means that our mission is the same as that of Jesus, which is not to be served, but to serve and to pour our life out for others. Um, and then to take it one step further, remember what Jesus says in Matthew 16, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And so there's this great paradox there. The only way that we find the abundant, the fulfilling life that God has for us is by giving our life away and serving others. And no doubt, that can be crazy difficult. Um, I know how easy it is for me to have, you know, just that tunnel vision on my own life, trying to advance in my career, enjoy my relationships with my friends and my family, make sure all of my needs are taken care of, and of course, of course, those are not inherently bad things, but they can limit us if we exclusively focus on those things and we hold on too tight to, uh, to, to trying to take care of all of those things that we miss the opportunities that God has put in front of us to love and to serve other people. So like, like George said, we're going to highlight a couple of those opportunities that God has provided our church today. Tim's going to share about the friendship that we have um, with, with a refugee family. Charles is going to share about um, serving his recent service at a, at a camp um, for, for kids struggling with issues around suicide in Alaska. Um, but as we listen and reflect today, I think my word for you, my word for us today, is this, um, my word of encouragement. You know, sometimes God does give us big opportunities, like what, what Tim and Charles are gonna talk about. 
But more often, God gives us a lot of little opportunities, right? In our day-to-day lives, um, just in the midst of coming and going, and we just need to have our spiritual eyes and our hearts open to see them. You know, it, it might be writing somebody a, a quick note of encouragement or, or taking desserts to, to a neighbor or offering to watch a friend's kids um, to give that friend a, a much-needed break. You know, we also try to facilitate opportunities like that through the church. Um, you know, one of the things that's near and dear to my heart is, is Wednesday mornings when, when we can bring some free groceries out, out to a car and, and have a moment to, to listen. To, to people's story and, and pray with them and build a bridge. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you too, it's, it's a two-way street. You know, I think of the deep blessings I've experienced when, when others have served me or, or my family. Um, for example, I remember one December 1st when we walked out onto our deck and we saw a big, you know the big kind of badge of presence that Santa carries around. We saw that big red bag full of stuff, and it was full of personalized, thoughtful gifts that, that a family had given us each day, to, that we could open each day up until Christmas. Um, and I mean, we'll never forget that, you know, that, that somebody cared enough to serve us and to love us in that way. I think that the deal is that serving others and in turn allowing others to serve us, it reminds us that we're never ever alone in this world and that God, God is always at work among us. And the reason that all of those little things are so powerful is that the Holy Spirit is at work in the midst of it. The Holy Spirit is at the center of those things. So our pastor in Cincinnati would tell story after story about God's timing, about how those, what might feel like a small gesture made such a profound impact on someone's life, on someone's life because of what they were going through at that moment, at that specific time. You know, and I think, I think again about our grocery giveaway, I've told you this before, but when we started, we were, we were, our goal was to, feed, was to help feed 10 families for, for six weeks. And now two years later, you know, we've, we've given out groceries every week and we're serving more than 40 families every week because the Holy Spirit is in the middle of it. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit is meeting that need and we've, we've just opened ourselves up to that. So, so really, that shouldn't surprise us because of of why we serve. Because God, right, God is building his kingdom and he's given us the privilege of partnering with him to spread his love around our neighborhoods, around our cities, and around our world. So with that, I'm going to ask Tim to, to come up. He's going to give us an example of that in our friendship with the Marin family. Um, um, and. Uh, at this time, we're also going to dismiss the kids. Um, Beth and I are teaching the kids class today. So um, all kids in grades one through six, you can come with me and Beth. And take away Tim. Chris. Well done. Good reminder there. As Chris said, my name's Tim. So I'm uh, part of a team that is um, 
on helping a refugee family um, become settled in, in the United States. And to kind of give you some background on that, before I do that, though, I want to read just a couple of scriptures to kind of give you the why that you can kind of remember as I, as I share some of the things that, that we've done for them. Um, <clears throat> Deuteronomy 10, 18 and 19 says, he defends the course, the, excuse me, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you giving them food and clothing, and you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. And then Matthew 25, 35 says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. Truly I say to you, when you what you did for the least of these, uh, brothers and sisters, you also did for me. So those are just a couple of the, the scriptures that kind of are the why behind some of the things that we do in addition to what Chris shared. And the one that always resonates with me personally is Luke 12, 48 that says, to whom much is given, much is expected, right? And we have all been given so much. And what I love about our small little church is that how many of us um, just jump in and, and give back in so many ways. And you know, when you think about outreach, you think about not only uh, people, the hands and feet that are actually doing the outreach, but there's also the part of, of prayer behind that. And some of you that can't, for whatever reason, physically or whatever, can't be out there on the front lines or behind the scenes praying, and that is such a vital role. And others of you give money, because a lot of this stuff costs money. Giving groceries out and helping a refugee family and so many other things that we do costs money. And, and so many people are generous with their, with their giving to these, to these efforts. So, so, um, so to, to back up, back in November, leadership was praying about helping one of the families that were um, settling here from, from Afghanistan, because Greensboro received a number of, of families here. And under Rolise's leadership, um, we assembled a team of folks that had a heart for this that wanted to get involved. And fast forward to February, uh, we were assigned a family of husband and wife and four young children that came here. Now they came from Afghanistan, they had built a house, they, um, they, he was a professional, um, spoke fairly good English, um, he speaks four languages. They had to flee because their lives were in danger and they left with pretty much the shirts on their back. They brought nothing with them. So imagine that, imagine leaving your house, going to a foreign land as a foreigner, and your, your spouse doesn't speak hardly any English, your kids don't speak much English, um, and they're very young. You have a young family and going to another country and, and just trying to, to start over. So that's what they were faced with. So our job was to just help them do what we could to assimilate in the United States and, and care for their needs and care for their family. And so some of the things that happened when they came, they were put in a small apartment on the other side of, of town they didn't have really anything. So the first thing that they needed was a computer and a printer because he needed to find a job. And you can't find a job unless you're able to get online and apply online and come up with a resume and, and print it out and be able to give it out. And so that was one of the first things that we helped them with. And we had somebody on the team that helped them refine his resume. So it would be something that employers would be, would be attracted to. Then we had to offer some rides to the New Arrivals Institute so he could register for a, uh, an interpreter workshop that he was gonna go through to eventually become a medical interpreter. And some rides 
to those actual workshops. So we did some, some offering of rides. And then uh, they were, they, uh, the agency that um, they came in through found them a small two-bedroom house on the other side of town that they moved into. So that's where they are right now. But they needed help moving into that house they had very little furniture, so they needed help furnishing that house. So that involved, you know, mattresses and rugs and furnishing a kitchen. Um, the house didn't have a dryer, and so we helped them get a dryer. Um, uh, they didn't have a vacuum cleaner for their rugs that now were in the house. So we, with a, um, we helped them with a vacuum cleaner. So we just helped them with a number of things. And, uh, and again, a, a number of folks on the team pitched in and went to Target and Walmart and bought all these kitchen accessories and a bunch of people helped move them in and get settled. Then he needed a car because you can't get a job unless you have a car to go interview for the job. And so some of us went around and helped him look at car, use cars and uh, found a van um, in High Point that met their needs that he ended up buying. And the cool thing that God, God was just in, in all this, we can look back and see how God moved so well um, in, uh, in looking for the car, it, uh, a job opportunity came up with the local, deal uh, local dealership. And so he ended up interviewing and he's now employed with this local dealership. So even though um, the, the goal was to find a car. He also found a job through that process. And so now they are settled into their house. They have a car. He has a job. Um, they're making ends meet with their family. The wife is going to this new arrivals institute where she's learning English and the kids are going. They're in school. Um, but along the way, they needed clothing. So some folks went with them to the various closets around town, um, something called Bob's Closet and the Newcomer Friends or Newcomer Schools Closet and got, helped them get clothing, so many things. And, and I had made a list, so I'm probably gonna, gonna leave some out. And, um, but so many people held car, the car insurance, they had to get car insurance. Um, let's see, clothing. So I think, I think that those are the, some of the big things. But the point was, it takes a team. And you know, if you think about doing anything like this, it can be overwhelming to think about all of that uh, resting on just a couple folks. But when you have a team to spread the load around like we do at this church, it really, really helps um, fulfill that. So, you know, the Lord has just been there. We're, our goal with them is just to love them, you know, well, and just not only help them settle, but share Jesus' love with them in a way that's very attractive. They, uh, somebody gave them a ride to our Easter egg hunt to the family. The kids love that. Um, the man came to church uh, on Easter Sunday. You, some of you may have met him here. So, you know, we're slowly just um, getting them, uh, welcoming them and, and bringing them in and having them exposed to, to Jesus' love, and, uh, and which is the, you know, the whole goal there. So that's my, that's my update on that. So who's next? Thank you, Tim. So, you know, again, it, it takes a huge amount of movement, and it starts with people saying, I want to be a part of this, and then it, it moves to people praying about things like that, and then it moves to people willing to give funds towards things, and then things happen, and so it, it's pretty amazing. We, we do a lot of stuff behind the scenes as well. Um, last month, we, we purchased a sound system for a church in Nicaragua, and we shipped the money down and and they were able to with the money we collected they were able to buy not just a sound system but extra microphones and so what a blessing that is to a church that has nothing to have a, another family you know we're all connected 
as family, to have a family of God in a, in a whole other country say, you know what, we love you so much, we'll, we'll do this for you. So this is exciting. Uh, you know, this, this past uh, week we sent out Charles. So Charles is going to come up and he's going to share about his experience. But again, we didn't go to do what Charles was doing. He laid something that God uh, had put on his heart. He laid that before us and we equipped him to go and he was able to participate and do the things that God has placed in his heart. So Charles, if you would just come up and share for, for a bit about, about all that. And, and, you know, in Hebrews 10, <laughs> Hebrews 10, 24, I believe it is. I brought my Bible, I'm going to old school. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So that's part of what we're doing here today is, is sharing these things that hopefully it spurs you on to say, you know what? God's laying stuff on my heart. Let me share that with the leaders and, and with the church. And that, that's how ministries are birthed. You know, that's how ministry happens. If someone says, you know, I have this idea. I have this thing that God's putting. Share that with leadership. Share it with us. And, and we'll pray and see how these things can come about and how we can help you meet the things that God is putting in your heart and make it practical and 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 make it come alive and we can put people and money behind those visions and that's what's exciting about what's happening right now is that God is putting all of this into a, a, a reality and into an action that's moving the kingdom this is kingdom work and it's such a blessing to be a part of this so Charles thank you for what you're going to share and for everything that you we got the opportunity to cheat and we we met him for lunch yesterday so it was very exciting so I'm excited to hear what else he's got to share thank you so much George thank you Tim and Chris as well it's amazing to be a part of a church that's outreach focused and that's being an extension of Jesus on the earth because we are his body his hands and his feet so yeah, I just want to thank Gay City Vineyard for blessing me to go on this trip. It was absolutely life-changing. It was an amazing, life-changing experience. You know, in Acts 1-8, Jesus says that we get to be his witnesses. So I think part of what Jesus means when he says we get to be his witnesses is that we get a front row seat to watch him do amazing things across the world because Jesus says, follow me. And as we follow him, we get to partner with what he is doing everywhere at all times throughout the earth. There's never a time or a place that Jesus is not working and doing something beautiful and amazing. And there's never a time and a place we cannot engage his work. Jesus says, I'm always working. John 5, 17. He's always working and he says, follow me come join this journey of this great adventure so I am grateful for the the adventure that I had in Alaska and that's one of the things that the Lord was reaffirming to me one of the first notable experiences I had was when I arrived in Beaver Alaska and Pastor Ron Pratt the president of this generation ministries and I we took a boat ride down the Yukon River to Camp Nashi it was a beautiful boat ride you can see a picture up there and as we were going, this is right after I landed. You saw the plane taking off. You saw the plane taking off. Right after that, I got in this boat with Pastor on. And as we were going down the
but mostly silence, just enjoying the beauty of God's creation. And then all of a sudden, he breaks the silence, and he tells me about how God sent him to this remote little place in Alaska and how he answered the call of God on his life. He told me about how expensive it is to reach these people in remote Alaskan villages, how expensive it is to go to these unreached people in these places. But he told me that he doesn't put a price tag on the souls of people. He told me so many people just say, oh, it's too much. It costs too much to go to these places. But he says he doesn't put a price tag on proclaiming the gospel and sharing the love of Jesus with the lost, hurting, and broken people. This was an amazing moment, one of the first encounters I had with Pastor Ron, and I knew his heart was set on doing the mission of Jesus. So at Camp Nashi this year, we had about 22 campers. Next slide should be a picture of all of us together, I think. Okay. Alaskan villages. Okay, when I say remote, I mean really, really remote. Like, you can't get to these villages by a car. You're not going to just, like, get in your Honda and go drive to these people. Like, you, are, you only get to them by boat and by plane. So we flew them in, and we brought them in by boat. And the campers were between the ages of 10 and 18. See a picture of them on the screen. The age gap, though, didn't make a difference like you, you think it would because all of them had similar experiences in life. Every one of them in some form or fashion had been affected by drug or alcohol abuse, suicide, suicidal thoughts, family members, community members that committed suicide, molestation, depression, every single one of them in some form or fashion had been affected by this at a young age. And I'm, I'm talking like a 10-year-old girl comes up and starts to break down in front of all of us about how her mom abandoned her and verbally abused her and just all of these things. So terrible things happening to these kids at a young age. So when Jesus says to go and he says to make disciples of all nations, like he doesn't just say go and then not help us go. Like there's always the power to go. So you can see Pastor Ron and I up there. And this man, he accepts the call. He accepted the call. So he gives us the strength and the power to go. Pastor Ron, he went. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. So we're going in his authority, in his power, in his presence. And I just want to make a quick note. If Jesus has all authority, that means the devil has no authority. Okay? All right? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. We're going in his authority and his power to accomplish things that are beyond us because he's within us. So Pastor Ron, he hears the call of God. He goes. He purchases this land from a native Alaskan, land literally in the middle of nowhere. I'm telling you, remote. It's the most remote place I've ever been, right off the Yukon River. He plows the field. He builds the campground. You can see some pictures of the campground on the screen. Yep, so just a couple photos and some fun stuff happened. The lead of the spirit into this remote little place because he believes that God is working everywhere. He's working everywhere, not just in the places with the lights and the smoke and the fog and the music and the instruments, but in the unlikeliest of places God is doing spectacular things. 
So Pastor Ron saw that God had a heart for this little secluded place in the middle of nowhere and that he would make it Camp Nashi a place of healing. That his presence would be manifest and would bring healing to young individuals. So I personally believe that God is doing some of the greatest things in the unlikeliest of places, places that we would overlook. And because he gets all the credit for it, middle of nowhere, he does something amazing. So Pastor Ron, he hears the call and he goes. And now we're seeing the fruit of this ministry. This ministry, Camp Nashi, was established 14 years ago. It was the 14th year of the camp. Honestly, such an honor to get to be a part of it. I just went in and I got to reap the harvest where others have sown. You know, people, people have plowed and prayer and seeking the Lord and you just walk into this place and the presence of God is there and there's a harvest. So for those of you who didn't hear the story of how I got connected with this ministry, it was totally a God thing. I know on my birthday last year that God was sending me to Alaska and I told my mentor, one of my mentors, Jenny, about it. And she began to pray for me and for that opportunity. She's like, God, open up the store. And it wasn't but two or three days later after that, that Maria, the camp coordinator at Camp Nashi for this year, you'll see a picture of her later, she reached out to Jenny and was like, do you have anybody in your ministry that has a heart for Alaska? And she's like, yeah, Charles does. And so they had no previous connection. There was no, Jenny did not know this generation ministries, this generation, like there was no connection. It was a God thing. So she starts to tell Maria about me and then, then tell Pastor Ron about me. And the day I arrive here in Greensboro to move here, March 30th, I'm on the phone with President Ron Pratt of the ministry. And he invites me to come and lead worship. And he says, I never do this. I never invite people I don't personally know, but I can see God's hand is on this, so come. That's what he told me on the boat ride down the Yukon River. He said, Charles, God has something amazing for you here at Camp Nashi. So it was totally a God thing. And because it was totally a God thing, I could just go and rest in the reality that since God is sending me, he's going to do his thing. And I just show up and be a witness, right? I just witness. I just witness. I wasn't there trying to make God move, trying to make, you know, muscle through and, like, get him to do something. When God gives you a command and a word and he opens up the door, all you have to do is simply walk. Ephesians 2.10 says, God has prepared good works for us to walk in. So I up every day. I woke up and I just walked. I just walked and things were already prepared for me. The first day, it was just like helping Pastor on and his awesome son, Cody, who played drums with me the whole time. He was an amazing drummer, and so it was fun getting to work with him. But the first day was just like getting the campground prepared, lots of manual labor, lifting things, unloading boats, getting everything ready for the campers to come. So it was lots of manual labor. We were up late, so and we did that. And the second day, we got some kids who came early from this little Alaskan village in Venati. Kids up there, yep, those kids awesome kids who caught a muskrat, killed it, and, and cooked it over a fire, and I had some. It was great. <laughs> Rock star kids. I was like, dang. So, yeah, but awesome kids. So I started building relationships with them. I just was walking. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. Just keep uh, <laughs> okay, but just keep walking because the Lord has things prepared. And eventually, I, you know, the camp start. I start leading worship. 
leading the morning sessions, the evening sessions, and, and it was awesome. I mean, kids started opening up and responding, but I was also a camp counselor, so that, was a, that took a huge chunk of the, That's pretty much what I was. I mean, I prepared like 20 minutes before each set. That's really all the time I had. So I was a camp counselor, so I helped with activities throughout the day. So you can see lots of fun activities. There was archery, there's canoe racing. We had two teams that were competing against one another. I was part of one team called the Grizzlies, and we rocked it. So, And you see the pictures. But a typical day, Camp Nashi was we wake up at like, I mean, the kids woke up around 11 because it was village time. We're adjusting to their time schedule, which is stay up late, sleep in late. So we did too. So I actually got good sleep there. Waking up, or I usually woke up around 9.30, though, to get to staff meeting. Got breakfast, gathering area, worship, small devo, broke out in teams, competed in activities, got lunch, had swim time, store time, came back together again for another competition, usually before dinner, worship, sermon, gathering area, then, then usually some free time after the gathering, and then debrief, usually got to bed around 2.30 in the morning. So... It was late nights, but, you know, God was moving and working. So, but what's amazing, and I'm almost, yeah, I'm going to be closing in a couple moments, a couple stories, and then we'll close. But it's amazing whenever you're a worship leader, you get to look out, and you just get to see the presence of God begin to fall on people. And I like to, I, I really try to keep my eyes open when I'm leading worship most of the time, because I like to see where he's working, what he's doing in the people. And I just began to see it around the fifth night, just tears streaming down their faces, their hands lifting up, getting down on their knees, just crying out to God, and the Holy Spirit just coming upon these young people. And I got to be a witness of Jesus' work, his healing presence, and just amazing. So I'm going to share a couple of moments that really touched me personally. I have many more, but I'm going to just boil it down to two. The first one was around the ninth or tenth day of camp. And we were out by the river, kids were canoeing, having fun, jumping in the river, laughing, chatting, all of this stuff, fun life happening. And then all of a sudden, this young man, he comes up to me, and he just starts to open up about everything in his life. He starts to tell me about his suicidal thoughts, how he attempted suicide, how he's experiencing depression, and just really vulnerable things that you wouldn't expect anyone to open up to you in a setting like that. Like, it wasn't a super spiritual moment, but, you know, it was. And he opened up to me. He started telling me all these things, and I'm like, okay, let's go talk about this. Let's go sit down. Let's talk about this. Let's pray through this. And I just sit down with him. I take him aside and all I know to do really is, you know, ask lots of questions and then listen. So we asked, listened, asked, listened, and then just invite the Holy Spirit, because that's what we do at the Vineyard, right? We just say, Holy Spirit, come, right? That's all I know to do. So, because he's, he's got all the answers, and he does a great work, and, you know, I just invite him. So that's what I do. I just say, we invite you, Holy Spirit, come do something. And he just like starts, you just see his, literally, his whole face just starts to light up with the joy of the Lord. He starts speaking in tongues, and just like the joy of the Lord comes all over him. There's just freedom, and uh, I'm not even kidding. He was like, I can't stop speaking in tongues. I can't do it. I was like, please don't. Keep going. Do as much as you want, and it's just the joy of the Lord comes over him, and just freedom, like so much freedom, and the good thing is I'm still in contact with him, 
like I have his contact. We have a game we play together on our phones and stuff. So just like enjoying getting to know him and build a relationship with him. So awesome moment. There's a lot more in that, but a lot more in that that I could share, but it's just I don't have time to share all the little details. But God did a work in that man's heart. But the moment really for me that was like the defining moment was the night before I came back. And it was the last night that I was going to lead worship. And I just, you know, my voice was gone. I didn't have much of a voice left. And there's this lady, one of the camp counselors, that had been helping me with worship. Amazing singing voice. And I was almost tempted to ask her to lead. But I felt like the Lord's like, no, it's your, like, I want you to, even with your sore voice. Like, you don't have a voice, but I want to do something. So, I mean, she was still up there helping me, but I took it. And I was just like, God, what do you have for tonight? This is my last night with them. And he had been doing amazing things. I'm telling you, these kids started to worship. We'd go 45, 50 minutes sometimes in worship because the kids were jumping in. I'm not kidding. It was long. Like this, this camp gave space to the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Holy Spirit-filled camp. So, and we, we get in. I'm like, God, what do you have? And he, t- he tells me, take, the, take yourself off the stage and get down on their level. He says, bring your guitar and your microphone. And it's not like the stage wasn't even this big. It was much smaller. But get off and get down on their level. That's the first thing I heard from him. And we had been opening up with some fast songs every night. And then the Lord's like, just open up with Holy Spirit. And I just open up with the song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. The kids had sung it, knew the words and everything. And we just start with that. And I just sense like this is a Holy Spirit night. That's what I just felt like. This is a Holy Spirit night. And it's all been him, but there was something special he was going to do. And as we're getting into worship, I feel like the Lord says to me, I want, some of, I want some of these kids to come up, grab the mic, and pray for their village. And, like, pray for their families and communities. Pray for healing and revival. So I'm like, I feel like the Lord's going to give a couple of you boldness to come up here and pray. And literally, before I could really even say that, two girls come up to the front. I'm not even kidding. Two girls come up to the front, grab the mic, and start praying. Start praying for healing in their communities and revival and for an outpouring of the Spirit and just for restoration and life to take place. And within seconds, 13 to 14 of the kids from the from the crowd rush up around them and you have all the kids surrounding these two and then all the kids start opening up literally one by one they're passing the mic around and praying for healing or revival in their communities there's tears streaming down their faces the holy spirit moves you should have heard them praying i'm not kidding like you should have heard and i have a video i don't have it someone else does i don't have it yet eventually i will she captured the whole thing i wish i had it i'll get it though soon of the whole thing these kids crying out to god Holy Spirit moving on them, and we didn't even get to the message. The prayer lasted, I mean, it probably lasted an hour and a half, literally, the kids leading. And Maria, the camp counselor, told me she had never seen anything like that in 13 years of the camp. She'd never seen anything like that. So it was like, yeah, a Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit thing. So anyway, so Camp Nashi, like I said, it's a place of healing, and that's exactly what the Lord did. I want to thank everyone who blessed me, who prayed for me, who gave financially, and, you know, I felt the strength of your prayers, and it was easy, and when I say it's easy, it was easy for me to minister there. I don't mean there weren't challenges, but I mean there was a sense of God's grace on me that it almost felt like effortless, 
for me just to move with the spirit. You know, just to like, oh, you're doing that. Oh, you're doing that. Okay, you're doing that. And it's just like, it was easy. And I know it's just the strength of your prayers and, and the presence of God and him just going before me and doing his work. So I, and I worked really well with the staff, leadership. You can see a photo of them, me and them. Yep, so these are all the awesome people I worked with. We're singing, there is a river. I was on the boat, leaving Camp Nashi. All of them, and I have the video, but I don't, just for time's sake, I'll show you later. But they're singing, there is a river running so deep, so wide. There, like, it was the best exit. I mean, I can't, I'm like, okay, God, woo. So anyway, so thank you all so, so much. I do sense, yeah, praise God. Amen. Holy Spirit, it's him, Holy Spirit. So I do sense, though, that as I was, like, preparing this yesterday, that there's a release, that some of you might be feeling a release in the Spirit to go. Like, God has put a place on your heart, a vision on your heart, and he's unlocking that. Not just as I'm speaking, but as Tim and Chris are speaking, that there's something that's just, like, going to bubble out of you. And I don't know who you are, but I feel like the Lord is just saying, like, he's launching you out. He's sending you, and he's with you, and he goes before you, and you get to be his witness because you follow him. You follow after him. So I feel like there's some of you that are just feeling that call, and all of us are called. He says go. That's all the permission we need. He says all authority has been given to me. There's all the power we need. He's given us all the permission and the power to go. So... I think some of us are like, oh, God, send me. That's what Isaiah said. But then Jesus says in Matthew 28, go. So we've all been sent, in a sense, you know. He said go. And he's with us in the going. He's with us in the going. And that going might look differently for each of us. But some of you, I feel like there's a missional call, and you feel that, the Lord releasing you, birthing that vision in your heart, even as I'm saying this. A vision and the call and the anointing to go. And know that he's with you, even until the end of the age. Amen. George. Yeah. And Dottie, if you could come up. Lord, we just thank you for all that you're doing here in this place. Father, we just thank you that you're a God who moves, that you're a God who, who hears and loves and prepares. And Lord, we do all this for your glory. So Father, we just thank you that you allow us, Lord, your children, the opportunity, as we say here in, in the vineyard, you give us the opportunity to play. We all get to play, and, and Lord, it's through your calling, it's through your strength, it's, your, it's through your heart to reach all your children, Father, in this broken world, that we're able 
to do this. And so, Lord, as we, as we come before you and we just give you all glory, honor, and praise, and we sing this last song, Lord, we just thank you. We just thank you for allowing to be a part of your kingdom-changing work, your kingdom-expanding work. And we thank you, Lord God, that your grace and mercy and love are what carries us through, that strengthens us and gives us the opportunities to be life, to be life. So let's stand and let's worship. And if anyone, I know we're, we're kind of running, running a, maybe a minute or two late. If anyone has to leave, please go in the name of the Lord. If, if you're able to stay for a few minutes, we do have another thing at the end that I'd, that I'd love to share. Um, someone from the congregation has something on their heart, so I'd love to have that you know, be, be broadcast. So. But let's worship. Let's enter in.